Today's show is sponsored by our friends at orcacoolers.com. From roto-molded coolers that keep your ice good for days. They have drinkware like the barrel, the football barrel, the shorty, the stein, the teeny, the vino. They have chasers. They have coffee campers and travelers. All sorts of stuff. It's going to keep your drinks cold or hot. You're going to have coolers that will keep ice for days. And they're bear-proof. Go to orcacoolers.com slash bourbon for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com slash bourbon. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at Old Limestone Mixing Water. It is the mixing water of Kentucky bourbon. We are firm believers here at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Drink however you want to drink. You want ice in it? Put ice in it. You want to put some water in it? Put water in it. And if you're going to put water in it, use water that was filtered through limestone in an aquifer that's 130 feet under the ground. Old Limestone's unique Kentucky limestone aquifer produces a rich, velvety, smooth water with hints of calcium and magnesium, which amplify flavors. Yet with no iron at all, you can make bourbon anywhere you want, but 95% of it is made in Kentucky because the water is special. Use Old Limestone water to mix. Take the taste test. Pour a bourbon neat. Sip it. Now add Old Limestone, swirl it, and sip again. Check out Old Limestone at oldlimestone.com or they're available at a store near you or online. What you got for me, Zeke Baker? You know, then we got to talk about your um, wardrobe selection or variances or maybe lack thereof. Because I saw some pictures the past weekend and it was the same plaid shirt, bud. Yeah. Do you wash it or do you have multiples? I wash it. So it's your only shirt? No. You just like it that much? I do. Do others? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Mm. I'm Steve Harvey. Survey says zero. Do people really like your bush hog hat? Everyone, my name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad Shrinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. It's a very unusual thing. We are here tonight at Broadway Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, Tennessee. We're right by the mall. They have great Chipotle barbecue wings that we already, Zeke and I, took down an order of while PJ and Logan just watched. But we are with our good friends from Blue Note. You've Talk to PJ. Logan, this might be your first time on the Dad Shrinker Bourbon podcast, though. Yeah, it's my first. I live a very sheltered life. You've, you've mentioned that. You did not get Beavis and Butthead references from about two Nothing minutes ago. Nothing at all. Tell us a little bit about your sheltered life. Uh, yeah, so it's extremely sheltered. Um, as a good indicator, I never missed a day of school all the way through high school. So that's a good good direction of where I grew not up. Not even senior skip day? No. No. Didn't do it. But that's how you end up yeah. running a company when you're young. Yeah, you uh, you focus on pretty much everything, and uh, you never sleep. But it's a it's a good way to learn quickly and get into a really fun industry. Everybody knows and hates PJ, but what do you do? Like, what's your title officially at Blue Note? So as of this month, it's uh, president and COO. So. Pretty good title to have. It's a pretty good title to have. Not a whole lot of upward mobility there, but it's a pretty good start. I mean, if you're the man, there's no <laughs> place to go but up. I mean, inversely, when someone's like, what the hell happened? Yeah, all the fingers point at you. <laughs> Can't duck down. Can't hide. No, there's there's definitely no hiding, but uh, it certainly makes it uh, pretty easy to just figure out where our direction's going and also just make sure we're always focused on the right things. And I think it's kind of interesting, at least from your point of view, not only, and, and I know we're jumping right into it and we haven't really like done the whole thing, but you know, we're sitting here, there's some stuff that's labeled that you're working on that's on the table. And I don't want to jump too far into that, but like as president and COO, you're in there talking about messing with the blend. Yep. You're not the one sitting there going like, oh, okay, somebody else is doing this. You're in there actually messing with this stuff. And have been a lot of people don't know this. Like people nope. have talked to the other folks at, at Blue Note. We've known this, yep. but it's you in there 
messing with the blends half the time, isn't well, it? Well, I mean, the, the nice thing is I do have a really good team. Um, there, there's certainly nothing that is just me about this company. Um, but yeah, I've been here since early days of 2019 when we were just distributed in the Memphis market. Um, but yeah, extremely hands-on in every aspect of the process. Um, there's very few days where I walk away with clean hands. Um, the get, getting in, uh, working with the the equipment, finding whether it's new facilities, working with investors, it's every aspect of the business. You have to be extremely involved uh, in all regards. Uh, and I think the the individuals that don't get that level of involvement really lose um, a feel for the company and a, and a feel for the brand. You know, Zeke often has days where he doesn't walk away with clean hands either but that's for other reasons no comment i don't wash my hands <laughs> are you too too busy bush hogging <laughs> why does that not surprise me that you don't God wash your hands? made dirt dirt don't hurt i have this talk with my kids <laughs> depends all on the dirt all of the time rain makes corn corn makes whiskey now you're just gonna start talking about corn it's corn. It's corn. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Like I tell my son, if a finger slips through the paper, you wash your hands. Otherwise, you're good. Okay. On that note, no, so Logan, let's there. go back to you. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, though. Like you've been there since 2019. Yep. Tell everybody your background a little bit and how you ended up at Blue Note. Yep. So uh, background, I'll just go through the college days. I went to Rhodes in Memphis for undergrad and grad school. Part of being at Rhodes was a May Mester in Belgium and France. So got my first introduction to the, the spirits and beer category there. Then went a completely different direction of the banking side. Used to work for First Horizon in Memphis. Then left that to work for KPMG. Did that for around seven years, primarily working with financial services clients. Left that for an opportunity to acquire a business that fell through in some due diligence and then uh, got into the liquor business and uh, just jumped in all feet and been there ever since. Now, while you were doing all this other finance <laughs> stuff, like, were you a drinker? Were you a bourbon fan, a whiskey fan? So the, the, the quick answer is no, but I guess in reflection, going back to college, um, I didn't play beer pong. I played whiskey pong. So that, that should have been an indicator of where things were going to end up. And it was an indicator that, like, <laughs> I said balls and movies. This kid I went to high school with, sorry, but, like, no. you know, we always played, like, or did power hour. Oh, yeah. Well, one time he decides he's going to do power hour with vodka. He makes it 36 minutes. He's still alive. Oh, gosh. He's not any less intelligent than he was to begin with, but he's not any more. <laughs> oh, God. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I mean, that's 36 shots yeah, that's, of that's, vodka in... Yeah, that's not good. I mean, I'm pretty sure this kid's the reason they don't they quit having the double-double at Wendy's in Jacksonville State, Alabama. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you're going to do something, don't half-ass it. He took water aerobics in lieu of showers. Really? What? <laughs> what? I can go all day about this. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure he probably had a good nickname. What was his nickname? Dirty Dog. <laughs> Zeke's friends from Georgia wow. all have great nicknames. Like, it's something. I don't know what's up with the water, but. He so, didn't pee in the pool, did he? I don't think you might want to ask. Okay. okay. <laughs> just assumed, yes. As long as you didn't see it, Babe Ruth, you were good. So I'm just interested. Going back to Logan, yep. like, I, I, I need to get off this. Yep. So you played whiskey pong. Yep. But did you play with, like, 80 proof, or was it. So back then, yeah, it was just playing with Gentleman Jack. There you go. Yep. Like you played, you played with the more expensive. Well, so what's weird is back in college when I would drink beer, I would actually get drunk. Um, which for me, when I get drunk, I just smile a lot more. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, whiskey was the safer option. There we go. <laughs> we like full size solo cups, though. I mean, no, they're like I don't know, shot ish per cup. Well, no, I'm just going to like the. Oh yeah, they're full size solos. Overthinking way too much of like yeah. it's not enough volume. Yep, standard solo cup hits the ball. Yep. goes or ball hits the cup and goes uh -huh. in. Cup's going to flip over because yep. you only got yay amount in the bottom. It was it was tricky. Size, it's just going to 
like knock itself over. Yeah, you don't want to get the drink. So sometimes around that, you would just fill them with water and then you just have side cups with the liquor. It would depend. I mean, that's depending on like how strong the people shooting against you are. I would, I would think do that or one ounce pours. Like you either have to do one ounce pours. There's got to be enough volume, otherwise the cup's going to flip over and then nobody even gets to drink and you're pissed off and everything. But I mean, I've played whiskey pong in the sense of like you have a glass of whiskey next to it and you just take a sip Mm. instead of doing. Okay. Like, so you have water in the cups. And you shoot, and if it goes in, you just take a sip rather than, like, a shot. I'm yep. in the game now. Yeah. There are multiple options. House rules. They always determined. Well, we're glad you made it. What's been the trickiest thing as you've kind of, you know, because you've had different roles over at Blue Note and kind of had to, you know, with, with some people leaving, you've now taken more of a, a position in the forefront. Yep. So now you're worried not only just that you used to just be worried about the numbers. Yep. Used to be just the numbers guys, the CFO. Uh, with the pandemic, it switched definitely a lot of focus to supply chain. We were extremely lucky in that we had no supply chain interruptions throughout the entire pandemic. Now, there's not many people that can certainly say that. The hardest thing about this business is everything is in the future. If you're focused on current operations, you're way far behind. Um, That comes from funding to inventory to brand development to individual SKU development to pricing. Everything about this is looking ahead. And you're good at that. I've I've always been very good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Is that considered whoring? I mean, I'm pretty sure the only people that survived... Did you say hoarding or whoring? No, he said hoarding. I mean, don't let his hat fool you. But the only people that survived the last shortage, I feel like, had to just have a exceptional amount of empty bottles so, tucked away somewhere because uh, you're, you're not being distillery like either bottles and or <clears throat> corks or well we got some bottles and we got some corks but you ever seen like the monkey trying to put the square in a circle because mm-hmm. that's what these corks are going to do with these bottles right yep. now no i mean that was um what was so crazy is when the pandemic first happened it was okay we're going to have outages in this component then the next and just goes down the chain and it first started with things as simple as the seals that you put on the bottles, the, mm-hmm. the clear plastic. Yeah. And then it went to, okay, stoppers are a problem. Then it went to, okay, glass is a problem. Then cardboard, the adhesives are a problem. And luckily, we were in sort of the transition phase of no longer working with brokers and going direct to the suppliers on every single component. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we didn't have the same type of interruptions that a lot of people had, and the quantities we were buying were meaningful enough where, yeah, we were sitting on, I think, probably 60-plus container loads of glass um, in individual orders. But if you weren't buying in those volumes, you didn't have glass for the year. And that just goes back to, okay, the, the operation side, now trigger the finance side. I've got a million-plus hanging in glass. You better be able to pay for it because you've got ongoing operations. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to skimp on glass anytime soon. Nope. Like I was up in New York State you know, probably about a month ago now. We were at um, Taconic Distillery. Yep. The owner was like, yeah, a few about you know weeks to months where we didn't have any glass. Yep. Like, you know how much glass I got now? Yeah. I'm good for a while. Like this shit ain't gonna happen again. <laughs> well, that was what was really crazy. Is so we've we've wound down um, almost all third party operations now. But we used to bottle for a lot of third parties. We used to store barrels for a lot of third parties, and some of them were so negatively impacted that they were shipping two pallets at a time from outside of the country to deliver to us twice a week. And that was their supply chain. And it's like, okay, we're seeing this from groups that have six times, ten times our capitalization, and they're seeing these supply chain interruptions. And that was sort of just the realization moment that, okay, we've actually gotten way ahead of this when others didn't. And then it just rippled from there where you're just hearing from the major suppliers are having these issues. Um, But luckily, we're just ahead of it. But I feel that's always kind of the story of Blue Note, just in the sense of like even from sourcing the liquid and and kind of having, you know, one source fall through and having to change suppliers and all that kind of stuff. Y'all have always been very resilient and figured stuff out very, very well. One of the the strongest things we have going for us is we are a small enough organization. There's only around 20 of us um, that that work for the company. We have some third party that work on the the sales side. But the size of our team allows us to adapt very quickly. Um, And that's where 
some of these larger organizations, it's they may see an issue, but because they're not able to adapt, you just get hit with it time and time again. Cool. It's a good thing. <laughs> it works. No, I mean it's a, a very it's a very very good thing. Yep. I, I just it was awkward because nobody else was looking at us, and it was just you and I looking at each just other eye to eye. What Zeke's looking at you now? The TV, the TV. Like kids with like clubbed feet and shit, man. Really. Yes. Yeah, I was laughing at his reaction because all of a sudden I turned over my shoulder. And- you were so worried about the fact that I was like facing the TV. You thought I was going to be distracted the whole time. But <laughs> randomly and real quick, because I know it's not the main focus, but it's kind of a um, secondary or tertiary niche. How influential to business is the extra storage, extra bottling, the things you do for other people that don't say Blue Note? And again, I know it's not part of yeah. the label or the brand or what people necessarily see, but I think as far as a business side, that probably gets overlooked a lot, yeah. but it, it does keep the lights on at least, right? Well, so it's really interesting to see from 2019 through today how much um, that side of the business focus has changed. Um, so early days, third-party bottling, third-party storage was really important. Um, now you can look at those numbers and they're honestly just very inconsequential to our overall operating revenue. But as far as the relationships and what we're able to learn about this industry, it really was invaluable. Um, At this point, we've shipped probably around, I think it's 18,000 barrels of third-party storage out of our warehouse in Memphis to around, I think it's 140 DSPs. Wow. So it's, it's really interesting, and it's certainly a point of frustration when you have sort of the inside look that I have of, all these brands that are making certain claims, and you're like, well, based off what I shipped you, I, I'm, I'm going to call some BS on that one. But uh, you guys it's, are selling what we shipped you, and we also bottle sometimes. But you're but getting it, what for it? Uh-huh. And what's the label say? Yeah, it, it makes it interesting, but uh, that that's the nature of the business. There's a lot of storytelling, but no, it was it was really cool to see uh, how involved um, just the brokerage market was and how many people are involved in 30 party barrel activity oh, yeah. oh i everybody's got a buddy it's like oh, the yeah. music industry in nashville yeah. everybody's got a buddy that sells barrels yeah. on the side it's like oh yeah i know this person this person's like well that person's actually the same person you're just talking to them like five different ways um but no we we were lucky enough to work with the major players as well as some publicly traded companies which was really crazy when you look at we are this really indescript location in Memphis, Tennessee. How in the world did any of this stuff happen? Um, and it is really cool just to see how it all has played out over the years. So you're still doing, I guess, um, like contract storage at all? So we are about to wind down all contract storage. There's only around 2,000 barrels left in our facility. Wow. And as of the end of January now, those should all be gone. Okay. And then we'll be rotating all of our barrels uh, in-house and we're looking to pick up another 80,000 square feet in Memphis as well to continue to expand. So that'll push us over 100,000 square feet. Nice. And we got, I know it's not the most interesting thing ever, but anyone that's like, well, what else do people do to keep the lights on? Like, well, actually, <laughs> as a side hustle, <clears throat> yep. the first few years, this paid all the bills, while we built a brand, and now we're able yep. to focus on what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really looking at how much overhead you're trying to cover. So whether that's third-party storage, it it really doesn't cover that much expense. Um, the amount that you're going to make off of any individual barrel is extremely low. When you look at things as uninteresting as insurance cost and rent, that's where a lot of these people get into the business and then realize you're underwater pretty quickly. When it comes to third-party bottling, there's a decent amount of money involved in it, but then it's supply chain issues. You may have handled your supply chain for your own brand, but if these other parties haven't handled it for theirs, then you're constantly having downtime, which then gets into, okay, now I've got a lot of sunk costs, and it really becomes very inefficient very quickly. Huh. There's a lot of people that have obviously addressed those issues and are at substantially larger scale, but where we were at 2019, 2020, it was... Uh, certainly not where some of the larger producers are at. Well, and if you're at one of those other places that has like a waiting list yeah. to get the, it's okay yeah. if one person doesn't have their supply chain you just in, it's like, immediately. Yeah, you yeah. just go, okay, we're going to move somebody else up, and, and yeah. it's a continuous thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I find interesting, like at least if you look at and and with your finance background, you know, if you're looking at the tenants of investing, yeah. if you think about like what are your most safe 
investments, right? You know those safe investments need to get you X amount of money. Yep. But then your next tier mm-hmm. is going to be where you play a little bit. But if you don't have that first tier making X amount of money, you're never going to play with that second tier. Yep. Is that kind of like how you were with the bottling and that so kind of it, stuff? So it was a combination of you you cover the, the cash contribution side, but it's also the experience. And it's, okay, how do you value the actual experience being in this industry? And that one's sort of hard to measure. The The thing that really comes back to how do you justify a lot of investment in this business gets back to the underlying asset itself and that's the barrels and that's what so many people don't truly understand is the value of having inventory and aging that up and it is truly remarkable what that can do for you now your stuff the juke joint we all know it's green river yep. green river has had some changes this Certainly year has are you buying it new make and then aging it up or yep. are you getting it when it's four years old and then kind of like seeing where it goes so that that question can be answered different ways depending on um the, the age of the product uh, we have had new fill contracts going back through 2018 um, but then also just because of the acceleration of the brand we do have to buy on the spot market from time to time we try to limit that, but it's sort of just one of the, the things that does come up is spot market purchases. And you have, right now, you have the Juke Joint, you have Juke Joint Uncut, you have the Riverset Rye. Yep. What else? Crossroads. Yep. We know, we know we'll see you at the Crossroads. Yep. What else do we have in the portfolio for Blue Note right now? And, and P.S., how are you, P.J.? PJ's I'm, quiet. I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. All right. I just wanted to check. But, Logan, back to you. <laughs> What else is coming up? So I think that that brings up a really good point about our brand is there's an ability to always introduce something new and generate a lot of buzz. There isn't necessarily a lot of traction that goes into that sort of focus. And what we are trying to do is the extremely difficult side of the business, which is generate traction depletions on a limited number of offerings. So if we can focus that on Blue Note Juke Joint, Blue Note Crossroads, that is where the real value is. We're going to continue to introduce limited time offerings, things like 17-year-old that we dropped last year. We're working on a Blue Note Special Reserve, which is kind of a, uh, a crazy combination of blended finished products uh, that will be dropping hopefully first quarter of 23. Um, but it is really trying to focus uh, the company's initiatives around brands that have the million case capacity um, at scale there's something to be said and i tell brands this all the time it's like i think everybody especially if you are an ndp like yourselves and you have brokers coming to you once a broker comes to you and they sense that you kind of like got that itch like you might you might be a little addicted they're going to be like hey I got these barrels. I got these barrels. Do you want and, and if you say yes all the time to wanting those barrels, now you're stuck with all this inventory and you got a million LTOs coming yep. out. Instead of where you guys I think were really smart is you said, All right, like our core offering is juke joint and juke joint uncut. Yep. And like and we introduced crossroads with the French oak. But crossroads also I think gave you flexibility and keep me honest here, where you could have a crossroads that isn't just French oak. You yep. could do a different finish. You could do all sorts of stuff. Like the crossroads could change over time, right? That is absolutely the intent of that one. So you have, but it's kind of like, you know, four main SKUs yep. where the crossroads is kind of an LTO. And then now this special reserve would be an LTO. And then what I'm holding in my hand would be an LTO as yep. well. This is the, um, it is Las Notas, but. What what's going on with this one in my hand? So that one was a collaboration with an Argentinian wine company, and uh, so that was our juice that goes into Juke Joint as well as Crossroads. So it's a seventy twenty one nine, and then it was finished in these French oak uh, wine barrels for an additional year. And I'm I'm the first one to admit that most wine finished products that mm-hmm. I've had are not very good at all, and we released eleven barrels into the Tennessee market. One of them we held back just because it did not have the, the finish that we we're ultimately looking for. But the the complexity and the, the wine forward nature, but then the bourbon carry through on the back end really created something that we were very proud of uh, releasing to the market. 
and and once again just the the limited nature of it not not a mass release but also just giving our our home state of tennessee something cool to play around with well i wonder too like i assume some ltos at least are based on the premonition of if we can get more of these barrels we'll continue to put it out but out of our hands out of our control so just to not like well, I mean, a, a good example of that was um, we released a honey-finished product earlier in the year under our Riverset brand, and there were only two barrels released, one in Memphis, one in Nashville. And it was like... I don't even think we knew about that. Yep. So that was depleted very, Thanks, PJ. very, very quickly. <laughs> you got to leave Franklin sometimes, bub. <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a good example of we will occasionally release effectively public-facing R&D-type products and then if the pull-through is there, then we'll look at larger scale, whether that's a um, full-year offering or just a seasonal release or even an LTO. Um, we sort of judge based off the original performance. So here's a question that I have that, that's maybe somewhat dorky, somewhat interesting. But like, at what justifies going to the TTB and creating a label? <laughs> you know, like if you know you have two barrels or yep. you know you have all this other stuff, is it – not worth it given what you have to do and the hoops you have to jump through in order to get that done so luckily um on the ttb side there's effectively no cost because we do it all in-house the the label production is where the true cost is and also the label design and yeah that's that's one of those things you just have to bear the upfront cost and then go forward with it you're you're upside down economically on a lot of these r&d type releases but that's that's the nature of the business that makes sense. Yep. I mean, totally makes I, sense. I mean, I, I wish I wish we weren't upside down on it, but that's I how mean, it goes. Although, since we haven't mentioned taste anything yet, we should revert back to this uh, French oak that you mentioned. Not the French oak. You mean the Las Notas? Still French oak. Still finished in a French oak. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, French buddy, oak pay wine barrels. What you say? Oh, there it is. Straight bourbon whiskey finished in French oak Las Notas barrels. It's Sorry, just, <laughs> it's just wine, not uh, cognac or armagnac, which yep. I think. At least for me personally, like when you said French oak, mm-hmm. that's just where my mind always goes. At this point is yep. cognac, armagnac, and a certain essence presence profile. Um, so I was immediately thrown off to mm-hmm. a degree. Like, hold on, yep. <laughs> you sure it's a French oak? <laughs> yep. But like oceanfront property in Arizona, I think somebody got you. <laughs> what, what, was, what was really interesting is so these the used cooperage was uh, shipped to us um, shipping container. I think it was on the water for probably three months. It arrived in Memphis, and it looked like brand-new French oak cooperage, like pale white exterior like you would expect. And then we we add the bourbon to it. A year later, it's picked up so much of the color of not just the bourbon but the wine. And I was talking to some people about it, and it just gets back to the the climate of Memphis. We, we talk about it. Sure, some of it's just a marketing spin, but there is a very real difference of you look at climate of Argentina – shifting all of that to now to memphis the humidity the temperature fluctuations it was actually going in and out of the wood more in memphis than it did its entire life being in argentina and it's just really cool to see that actual visual representation of that happening and i'm like so into this now that i interviewed jordan via from savage and cook Mm -hmm. recently and their wine i mean because zeke and i are notorious for saying we don't like wine finished barrels And we've talked about it. Like, there are people that have come all the way up to Nashville. They want to sit with us in person, (laughs) just like you are right now. And they're like, hey, we brought you a wine finished barrel. And we're like, eh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what you want to showcase first with us. Sorry, John. My cat's got to get his wisdom teeth pulled. I'm busy that night. I got to run, man. Emergency, emergency. I I tell him I'm really sorry. If you wonder the night that Zeke Baker is on assignment, um, (laughs) a lot of. But. Truth of the matter is when I was talking to Jordan and so Dave Finney, you know, from Prisoner, Orange Swift, those mm-hmm. wines, yep. he's the one who started Savage and Cook. And they didn't finish. I mean, of course, wine was going to be a, a big part of what they do because of him. But he finished in his bourbon, they finish 18% of the batch in the wine barrels. And then with the rye, they finish 17%. So what they did is they let that kind of like get in for some of it. So you're getting those wine notes. But then the wine isn't overtaking the whiskey uh-huh. by not finishing, you know. So they'll, they'll mingle it with the rest of a regular vat, yeah. And then you put it together, and it's like you kind of have 
this blend of a blend. Yep. Not only are you blending mm-hmm. everything together, but you're blending the wine finish in on top of it, which is another component. So yep. just a fun little thing that I I really enjoyed their wine finishes. Yeah. Before we go and, and talk about your wine uh-huh. finish. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm the first one to admit I have, I've never had a wine finished bourbon that I actually enjoyed before this. And I was really happy with it um, because I think it was probably six months in. PJ can have some commentary here is we tasted one and it was it was not there. It was definitely not there. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? It was just funky. It just didn't taste right. It was unbalanced. Mm-hmm. It had just weird notes that, I mean, there was, I don't know, probably 10 of us at the table, yeah. and there wasn't one of us that said, hey, let's go to market with this. Um, but I will tell you the stuff that has been out in Memphis and even the stuff here in Nashville, it is an, it's an incredibly good flavor. It's a really, really good product. There's this funk on the finish mm-hmm. with it. Like, it's just, it's, I've been trying to put my finger on it for 20 minutes now. Oh, I know. We've been drinking it the whole time, and Zeke was, like, giving me the look like we should probably tell them we were drinking. <laughs> and I'm like, I still haven't figured out what this funk is. Yep. And like, we're not the non-drinking <laughs> bourbon podcast. Yes, I know. Everybody knows that. <laughs> There's not a person who has a doubt, Zeke, that we're having a pour while we're, we're doing this well, podcast. This nice we are play. in a bar right now. Mm. We are in a bar. This we the first did- pour I've ever had on the show. I will cut you. <laughs> we did pick. Now, the good thing is we did pick the Blue Note 17, mm-hmm. the Not Your Dad's Root Beer. We picked that in my house with PJ on the show. And then taking everything full circle, we did have a pour of that before we started recording mm-hmm. tonight. We did. Still great. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we didn't you even had PJ's a photo input. session before this started. <laughs> I know. We had fans that saw our picture on the back of a bottle, and then we had to take a picture. They, they saw Zeke. They were, man, everybody loves Zeke. I don't know what it is about like, twang. that shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, who's he? It's the Georgia man come up from, to Tennessee. Oh, man. But what do you guys think the funk is on kind of the end of this? And, and is it the wine? So I, I think some of it might be the wine. I think part of it also is just the, the transit um, wine finished whenever it goes into a shipping, shipping container received in Memphis. Like that's that's going to do something to the, the wood itself. Um, I think that might be part of it. But, I mean, ultimately, it's so hard to tell when it comes to some of those flavors. But that this, is, up. this is the Green River Juice in there, right? Green River Juice, yeah. Because I had a conversation recently with a buddy of mine. I assume Green River primarily buys ISC barrels. So at, at, at this point, I think they're pretty much buying anything they can get their hands well, on. to a degree. But yep. ideally, that's what they're going <laughs> to I mean, again, back to, back to the bottles, the corks, if, the if stoppers. You're, if you're trading bourbon at this point, you're putting your, your you know, liquid we, in any barrel that's available. We all got to do what we got to do, but yep. theoretically, that's what they're going in. In, in the beginning, that's their plan. <laughs> um, in the beginning, there was. But that was our conversation. In the beginning. <laughs> and I, I literally said, I like, because they work for a different brand, and I said, you know what, I, I don't know what other factors are there, and I'm not that smart, but presumably they're buying ISC barrels. They've still got you know three to four year juice, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, either the mash or the yeast or however it comes off, you still get an oak essence mm-hmm. for a three to four year product yep. versus charred, salty, briny, the things that at least I certainly bitch about, and yep. John will from time to time, like... Obviously, I don't have any like financial interest or anything yep. else other than just saying, for whatever reason, this just comes out better than other four-year products. So, I, and I don't know if it's a weird like unplanned synergy of somehow these things they put in yep. to their juice mixed with the barrel and just. I think work. there's I think there's a combination <laughs> of factors, and um, some of the barrels that went into this are also. Um, I know the, the commentary online is how this has been overplayed, but. We had several thousand barrels that were in a rickhouse collapse up at Green River. That was July of 2019. These barrels are part of that. And if you look back at what actually went into that, what those barrels experienced really was unique. So you had 20,000 barrels, call it 500 pounds a piece if it was all new make. The force multiples associated with that much weight collapsing is just off the charts. So what it did was... It broke loose so much of that exterior char 
that that was in the distillate for the remainder of the aging. So instead of just that level four char just being on the exterior of the barrel protecting the, the interaction with the oak, you now had the actual char floating around. So you take that plus the heat, temperature changes associated with it. You had a lot more air exposure because the staves were expanded a little bit more when the excavators were pulling it out of the piles. It did do something a little bit different. Yeah. Now, was that everything? No. I was, I was smirking. Part of it. No, don't no. smirk entirely because <laughs> it sounds crazy until you see the barrels. No, I was smirking <laughs> because the reason I smirk about it is it would be so easy for y'all just to put out like single barrel yep. after single barrel to say like, quote, warehouse C oh, survivor. Yeah. No, the, the, the stories <laughs> that I've seen were, okay, we were uh, in a flood. We were in a fire. We were hit by a tornado. Then we had straight line winds. And then we've received emails into our info account even as like, sorry that you guys were completely destroyed and we'll never have anything released to the market again. And we'll respond back, no, that was an offsite storage. We're completely operational. And they respond, oh, no, you must be confused. It was completely wiped out. Like, who do you think is responding to this? Like, what? <laughs> we are alive. <laughs> but I just find it funny, right, where – like you could really sit there and yep. go, "Hey, private groups, come over. Who wants yep. who wants a collapse survivor?" Yep. And you're like, "No, nah, I'm going to put it with this wine shit, yep. and like we're going to see what happens." I here. mean, it, it really gets back to um, just over time how much the company has evolved. Um, just because it was this is inventory, it aged up, is at the right age, go to market with it. Um, there, there wasn't always the forethought of, "Oh, this would be a great story to tell." It was. We've got product that tastes great. Let's put it to market at a reasonable price and sort of went from there. And that's sort of what we've lived off for, for the past three plus years. Although has anyone else, at least hopefully for my own sake, been like, French Oak, hold on. This isn't Armagnac or Cognac. Because again, <laughs> I, I just keep getting thrown off by it. No, that's what's interesting is so these have only been in the market for. Especially, I guess, with Crossroads being yeah. French Oak staves. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, honestly, with Lost Notice, there's been really not a whole lot of questions. I don't know if PJ's seen any in the market, but in Memphis, it's pretty much just accepted something cool and an interesting release from us, but nobody really goes into it. Granted, we do nerd out more we than do, most we do, people. We do so more we're, than we're, most. We're in the small percent, yep. but literally, I, I've just been hung up yep. of, oh, this is French oak, but I, I taste wine, and yep. like John said, there's a funk to it, and yep. other um, wine essence notes. They're just like, not to get you off topic, because I know you were about to say something else. Like, how fortunate was it that these are Las Notas barrels? Like, did you seek out a wine company that just happened to, like, I mean, and yes, the notes don't necessarily have something to do with Blue Note, yep. but it is, you know, a note related thing. So, no, how? It was, it was a really interesting collaboration. So, our old insurance broker was a partial owner of the company that owns Las Notas. And it was, hey, this would be a really cool collaboration. We're like, uh, yeah, it would be. Um, and the fact that it was, okay, a wine with um, just a great story behind it, the name combination just works perfectly. Um, it, a lot of pieces fell together for this one to work for us. So what's the deal with the release here? You, you've done some, but like, give us more details about who can get it, where it is, all that stuff. Yep. So um, the, the easiest place to find it is going to be the Memphis market. That's where the vast majority of it was released. There were two barrels released into Nashville. I believe it was 84 cases, 84 six-pack cases dropped in Nashville. Correct. Yep. Numbers that is correct. I know the numbers. <laughs> Thank you, PJ. See you, you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Still here. <laughs> Easy, Wally. Less is more. <laughs> so eighty-four cases. 80, in eighty-four cases for all in Nashville. So you can clamor over that one for the next hopeful couple of months. They went to the top Blue Note accounts. <laughs> appreciate it. Talk like we, a robot. We, we appreciate the support. <laughs> So that's great. Where are the top Blue Note accounts in Nashville? Um, all over the place. <laughs> all right. Not wanting to pick favorites. <laughs> nice good company. The, the Nashville MSA is appropriately covered currently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, go look for them in stores. You, y'all know, like if the store is pretty big, 
chances are it's probably going to have a Las Notas. If you've gone to a store and have seen a Blue Note uncut barrel, there's a good chance they've got some of this. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And there's a couple that like Zeke and I have picked for. No, I think there's still an uncut barrel at Frugal a little bit. Just a couple. There's well, 11 did. bottles left. I counted them this morning. I, I think frugal? it's nine as of right now. Yes. And that was what, a three-barrel blend? Two-barrel blend. Two-barrel. I mean, I did it, but whoops. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one when we went down there. Now, Logan missed that day. That that was a... So there, there's like two days that I'm not at work the entire year, and they've always been when you're doing picks. What? Frugal was separate. That was me and Wes. I was still, oh, the I was still not blend? there for that. Oh. No, he wasn't there for that yeah. either. I'm saying you weren't either. I know. No, I it's know. whenever you guys come in town, I'm not there. I know. I'm not saying anything, but... There was a frugal blend. There was the stuff we did for Ajax. I heard you were good at Naked Twister. <laughs> His cats needed their wisdom yeah. to be taken out. Yeah. <laughs> I had vet bills to pay for. I mean, Logan is the type of guy who goes to an event. Now, we were all together. Zeke was not there, but we were together in the beginning of November at Grains and Grits. I just want to take a second out of this podcast to mention, like, there was this cute little dog. I mean, I swear this dog <laughs> weighed seven pounds. Like, what kind of dog is it? So it's she, a mutt, but no, 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 she's actually not. She's a Yorkie Schnauzer mix, which is called a Snorky. Oh, she's uh, currently at nine point two pounds, so she's up a couple pounds since we found her. But Logan found her. She was mangy. She had fleas. Like she was obviously on her own. She was starving. She didn't eat. Logan took this dog in, and when I tell you the whole weekend, it was the cutest thing in the whole entire world. Logan was just with this seven pound dog, <laughs> just like. She didn't leave his arms. He bathed her until like her hair was not matted. <laughs> it was the cutest thing in the whole entire world that weekend. Like so if you wonder if you all want to buy whiskey from somebody that has a good heart, don't buy it from PJ. But like <laughs> Logan Logan a hundred percent. Like that's a guy you could trust. <laughs> well, I thought you were gonna talk about at Grain and Grits, like, hey, it was a really, you know, nice day and everything. And I grabbed some bottled water for people, and PJ was standing right there, and he was like, hey, John, and John just walks right past me, because there was more important people there that day. No, I saw PJ, and I was like, I pretended not to see him. <laughs> That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I literally just walked the other way, but um, no. That's I, what my wife does. I, I know. She tells me. <laughs> like, she gives me the tips and tricks, <laughs> but no, we... we I ended up making it right, and I'm sorry I didn't see you when it, I was. It, it's quite. It's, it's it's okay. I forgive you. I forget who I was talking to. I had saw somebody, and I could only focus on them. Like, but then I what, guess PJ, was it Charlie the dog? Was it the puppy that you were focused on? Probably. But then PJ was waving at me, <laughs> oh, and gosh. I didn't see it. Like I didn't. <laughs> he was over there, like, hey, oh, there's a dog. Now we're good. <laughs> um, so we know, like. So this last note us, like, how often are we going to see things like this? What kind of can we look for with Blue Note? I mean, we've talked about the core. Yep. We've talked about Juke Joint, Juke Joint Uncut, Crossroads, yep. Riverset Rye. But then how often are we going to see, like, a special reserve or a Las Notas or something like that? So I think stuff on the caliber of, like, 17 and the special reserve, we're probably targeting an annual release of those. And then we'll be looking at uh, seasonal releases of things, whether that be a honey finished or like a lost notice, um, but sort of those products of opportunity where we come across partnerships that align with us and in limited releases, we can have those on an annual basis. Where did Zeke go? He left. Zeke literally <laughs> just got up and left. And, and uh... <laughs> What else do we need to know about Blue Note? You know, Do we need to try Special Reserve? Is it something we want to talk about right so now or we, no? We can definitely get into Special Reserve. This is a product that is in development still. There is a lot going on. So the ones we have sitting in front of us are probably around 112 proof. It's a combination of products up through 19 years of age with around some of them three years of additional secondary finishing. And we've got stuff from Port, uh, VDN, Cognac, Sherry, Madeira. Uh, we've got just secondary American Oak in there. So it's just a, 
a, a lot of different flavor combinations working together. So kind of almost like a Stranahan snowflake. So yes, it's, it's actually a, a lot of similarities to that. Um, we're just working with some different age ranges and, and really seeing how these play together. What's really interesting is when you look at finishing, a lot of times the younger products versus the older products, they have very different influences uh, in secondary cast finishing. And what we're working on is trying to take advantage of how those play differently. I just gave Zeke some of that. I just had some of the 100. Yep. In all disclosure, we've kind of cheated, right? Because we've been sipping on these a little bit before. Possibly. This 50, so there's a 50-gallon yep. blend and there's a 100-gallon blend. Yep. The 50-gallon blend is just crazy on the nose. Yep. Yeah, the, the nose on these is really, really incredible. Um, and one of the things I'm still playing around with is if we maybe add some more of the 19, 20-year-old product we have to it just to help with the finish. But that's where the art of blending really does come into this. Um, you can go overkill um, in a lot of different directions. So finding that sweet spot really is hard. So what it's referencing with the 50 gallons is we have our base, which equates to around 1,900 uh, bottles right now. And then this is adding 50 more gallons of our secondary finished product to it. And it's just trying to elevate some of those flavor characteristics beyond that. The 100 gallon, I would say, don't add older stuff because yep. there is a fair amount of oak yep. on the end on that one i know this is like r&d we're having yep. like the y'all are hearing behind the curtain of like yep which one did you pour pj so that one's the 100 gallon for you i don't remember no and that's one of the two he poured the 50 and then i don't that, think he did he poured the, the fifth closest pj's not reaching any further than he has to no i moved it he moved it. oh so yes i PJ think you got the 50. The, your right hand is the 50 and your left hand is the 100 but, I mean, I think this is a really fair representation of what we actually do at work. It's um, several individuals get together, and we're just tasting through different variations of the process. And we've had a bunch of questions about, oh, you're, you're master distiller, you're master blender. And it's while those titles may be great, we found a lot of value in a lot of collaborative tastings um, coming up with a lot better answers than just any one person. Uh, and that's not to knock master distillers, master blenders. It's just we've we've had a different success with what we're doing. And the fifty, I think the fifty is closer mm -hmm. than the hundred. Yep. I just think there's some oak on the finish of both of them. And I almost wonder, like, you know, when you're talking about adding in some nineteen, mm -hmm. I almost wonder if like some four or five. Well, so and that's one of the things that we've we've played around with too is if you look at the the label right now that was submitted for cola approval, we've got some placeholders in there. So if you're if you're good with math, yes, it does not add to 100%. That was not unintentional. But it is sometimes you do need that younger juice to just level things off. And that's where maybe that 20% we have as a placeholder becomes 21, 22, 24, just because that's what the blend ultimately needs. And now when you submit that label to the TTB, how much wiggle room do you get <laughs> when you put 20 on there? Yeah, so the, the interesting thing about this process is you submit a formula. The formula is then used as the basis for the actual label approval there's a high degree of variability that you can actually go into. Um, you can change proof points. You can change up the ultimate ratios. What you can't change is some of the actual like legal language associated with, with what you're representing on the labels. But I think this gets into a completely different topic, which is just sort of how ridiculous some of the TTB approval process has become. And whether we want to go there or not, I'm open to nope. it. But nope. I mean, at this not time. Not touching it. Not <laughs> touching it. At this time, we're. I don't edit, but John does. Well, no, I mean, at this point, I'm not going to edit this one like crazy, but yep. at this point, we're almost at an hour, and that's probably going to put us at two hours if we get into it. It's so. my first time on. I, I, it is. I've it got is. years of pent-up information. Oh, we we so would love wonder, to talk about that. Though, yeah, it's hard to point. jump in and be a little ADD, but like, this was the 100, this was the 50, right? Yep. What I wonder, especially since it's... Blended and finished, right? Or so it's it's there's components of both. So yeah, there's there's a combination of individually secondary finished that are then blended together. So there's other products in the market that have finishes, staves, blends, etc. And I feel like once they're bottled and then once they're popped, they move. Yes, they definitely Again, do. Yeah, not gonna throw it. 
anything out there specifically, but I've had stave or barrel finished products that were selects. And I've told my friends, like, when you find a good one, drink it in seven days. Mm -hmm. And I'm not being overzealous on booze, but, like, it's going to start moving. Yep. So I feel like where the 50 is, it has room to move and get better. But where the 100 is... It's it's in a good spot, yeah. But will it hold that? Is so, what I wonder. You you bring up a really good point. So what we did with these is we dumped everything. So nothing is going to continue to age in the original barrel. But what you still get is the interaction of the liquid in our bulk tank. You do get whether that's oxygenation just because you're running circulating pumps through it. I don't know PJ. We wanted to hear your cork pop. Pop. <laughs> Sorry, nice. what you do? Get, what you know, you you do get some additional influence, and particularly with things like crossroads, is we'll pull it, and you will still get aging after the fact. And there's there's products out there on the market that have oak that is put directly in the bottles. The inability to control what that product tastes like is just off the charts. But yeah, the flavors are going to move, and again, I'm it's not, not going to call a, it any other brands yeah, or throw yeah. out anybody to the bus because you can probably figure out where I'm going with this to a degree but but I think even talking to those people yep they'll admit to you like these things change they do move and there's a lot more variables you know in play than just normal straight bourbon whiskey yeah so I mean that's that's where I feel like this 50 like is there a little bite and a bark to it sure but what does that do once you run it through the tanks yep once, even if there's no, um, you know, water added, there's still yep. filtration and through the the, yep. the the vents or whatever. Yep. Air gets in there a little bit. You bottle it. You crack it. There's a lot of movement no, that people I mean, don't factor in. No, it, it really is a point that I think a lot of people lose sight of. And when they're even selecting a single barrel, they expect that single barrel to taste exactly like it was the day that they selected it. Okay, well, our brand, we can turn a single barrel, call it 7 to 14 days, and it can be available at your distributor most brands that's six months to nine months later well you've got multiple seasons that are going to continue to influence that your proof point's going to change whatever you're using in the actual bottling process some of them are direct injecting uh air into it that's changing the process yeah and it's going to change the flavor even if you're not purposely doing it i feel like it happens i remember (laughs) forever and a day ago we were with you know uh matt bolas chef at 404 and there was some single mop product he was talking about picking. I can't remember what it was. It was honestly a long time ago. But Rua. But you no, know, he told he, he it told was us, he told the guy like, "I'll pick it, but you have to bottle it this way." Yep. And the guy's like, "What do you mean? He's like, if you bottle it your way, it's going to change it, and it's not yep. what I want." He's like, yep. "You're crazy." He's like, "No, I'm not." He's like, "I'll take it, but you have to bottle it yep. this way and cut these steps." Yeah, and it's just funny. We all get yep. quirky on booze, but again, I think it's. Th- steps and factors that no one accounts for or it's not like water we're going to dilute it yeah extra age in a barrel that yep. does something but there's still just the intrinsic yep. steps of all right we're going to dump it tomorrow man we got you yep well, what are you gonna do when you dump it <laughs> yep no i mean that there's there's everything about that it's okay what are you dumping that single barrel into how long is it going to sit in that vessel for well if that's going to sit in stainless or plastic or whatever ultimate container it is that's going to potentially have an influence on the flavor well and the and thing all those things play into it the thing for me going back to what zeke was saying though is i i kind of disagree with him where he said the hundred is in a good sweet spot right now and i'm just being completely honest it's with over. you right now yeah yep. i i think the hundred is too dry yep. no i think it offers air if i bought this and i cracked it no not and i fi- gave it in a week i think it's where i want it to be that's no what, you're saying the 50 for the 50 but i'm saying the 100 the the 100 that you tasted which is right here on your left side that you said the 100 might be okay where it is yeah i don't think it's okay where it is i think the 50 gives more room and i think if you put a little bit of younger juice in with the 50 it's gonna it's gonna round it out well yeah, i think the movement of it once it's cracked oh 100 i'm agreeing with you on the 50 i'm disagreeing with you that the 100 is okay i don't like the 100 mm-hmm. oh I think the hundred is more water. No, I think the hundred is too dry on the the very end of it, and it it goes kind of oaky and and dry quick on the finish. It does yeah. neat if you drink water and have it right behind it. Yeah, but like I, that's effort. 
Drinking water? Yeah. You go to the gym eight times a day. I know, and I drink water every single time I'm at the gym. Well, By the go. time I drink whiskey, I'm like ready to just drink whiskey. <laughs> I'm just saying. But like I, I agree with you on the 50. I think the 50 is really where it's at. And then if you play around with the, the juice that you're putting with the yep. blended stuff, with the finished stuff, I think that's where... And it is interesting because it goes back to kind of what I was saying about like Savage and Cook and how they're not doing the whole blend. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing there no, I mean, where you're putting a component in with some regular whiskey. Yep. And, and that's the interesting thing is it's, okay, do you go with what the market necessarily wants you to do? Go the 120, 130 proof, the 18, 19 year old only. Well, that may not be the best combination of all those different factors you're pulling together. Well, what was the bookers they did? And Zeke always keeps me honest on this one. I bring it up all the time. It was a book. The bookers, was 25. it the 25? And it had like a whole shit ton That's of the like. the one that took forever to release because it kept getting yeah. shot down. Well, and they had to keep putting younger stuff in it uh-huh. because the older stuff was just too oaky. Yep. And then finally they were like, we're going to put a bunch of four or five year in. We have a bottle of the 17 year old that's been rebarreled. I think it's 19 now. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I mean, it is a total. And but when you're adding it into some of these, like what I've tasted over there, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. It's crazy. Yeah. Some of those, th- yeah. and it's also why, like you hear these stories about Wild Turkey had their rare breed a couple years ago that had like 17, 18 year juice in it, and same thing with like Four Roses nude label. Well, I want to. I still want to call it yellow label. But. It's, yeah, it's yellow label, John. We, John, we have decided a long time ago it will always be yellow on this show. Yeah, but Mandy like, knows, Brent knows that they're okay with it. Yeah, but Four Roses yellow label. I mean, they put twenty year Four Roses in that in the blend, and that's the the stuff that's under twenty bucks because yep. they know in a blend it works out real well. Yep. But well, like, especially with different mashes. I mean, like. You know, recently we tried some stuff, and uh, it was like 17 or 18 year MGP light whiskey. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, at a, a barrel pick process, and it was all right. I know the age statement. I know what this is going to cost, mm. and it's good, but like it wasn't overly complex. Yeah. And at the same time, save this and just use it sparsely in blends because yeah. minimal amounts at 140 to 150 proof. You're pulling a lot of weight at, yeah. what, 5 to 10% probably with total yield volume, and you can't beat that for the money you probably have in it if you've owned the barrels for yeah. a while. I mean, that's what's interesting is so the the remainder of the third-party storage we're doing, we're shipping out a bunch of, uh, at this point, it's around 18-year-olds that are under 80 proof. So you ain't bourbon whiskey anymore? Nope. Yep. So you're blending that with something that's got some heat behind it, but it's it's going to be interesting to see what that customer ultimately ends up doing with it. But I think that's the you know the NDP market and space, mm-hmm. and that's where in the next I'd say three, four, five years or so, you're going to see elevation or I guess suppression, just simply in who can take what they have and what's <clears throat> available or what they can buy tomorrow, yeah. and be resourceful enough to find ways to bring that to market. And make it obviously enjoyable, palatable, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But that's going to be the the side of the innovation that is going to separate, I think, almost anyone or any brands from the rest is, well, we're all fishing the same pond. Yeah. We kind of caught the same fish even. Who the hell cooked it the best way? Yeah. Well, I mean, even the concentration from the, the producers is going to continue. I mean, some of the acquisitions we've seen earlier this year, they may have occurred now, but the the rollout and the impact of those barrels not being available to people that are currently working with them, that's three, four years out when their production contracts end. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing about this when I get back to is you have to be looking so far ahead of that's what you have to be looking for is... <laughs> As opposed to five, seven, ten years of yeah, please God, somebody just buy this yeah. pallet or pallets of barrels. Nope, we just need somebody to drink whiskey yep. so we can make money. No, nope. hey, can I go back in time? <laughs> you, you wish you could. Back, shoot, back when prices were a whole lot less than they are today. I love when we were first starting, and this is a good thing to end on. Back when we were first starting, we talked to all, everybody who had the all the MGP contracts, right? Uh-huh. Like from way back in the day. And it was 300 bucks a barrel. And yep. they talk about it all the time that it was like, you know, all, and I'm talking about the epic MGP that people trade on secondary oh, yeah. for over a thousand bucks a bottle. Like all the old Scout, the, the Bell Mead, the Blom Brothers, all that stuff that everybody liked was 300 bucks a barrel. 
way back in the day. Yep. And now it's like you're lucky, like an OWA barrel back in the day was three grand. Now it's three grand for new make at, you know, these distilleries. It's just crazy where whiskey has come. But we love seeing all the good stuff y'all do. PJ, are you good? I'm great. Is Brady losing? What? Brady is losing. It's a great day then. It's, that's why John's not so chipper right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey. Are his balls deflated? I used to, li- I used to like the Pats. <laughs> sorry. Right. You might be underwater. Ending. You may need to call the Coast Guard in. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Hey. Ooh. Y'all go find Blue Note. Find these Les Notas barrels. Find them out. Find uh, any anything out. When the Special Reserve, when can we kind of expect we're, it? Like, we're looking for a first quarter of 23. All right. We can't wait to see that. You know, find Blue Note online, find them on Instagram, find them on Facebook, find them in Memphis, Nashville, a whole bunch of other states online. 17 states. 17 states. You can go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad Shrinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad Shrinking Bourbon. Please leave us an open, honest review, just like we leave open, honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Zeke, I salute you. Hey, um, where else can the folks find us? Well, we still have to play this game with Shuffleboard to see if we get to pick a barrel somewhere in 2023 or not. Yeah, we're trying to pick a Blue Note 19. You heard it here first. Dad's Ricky Bourbon. Logan agreed, and he's stuck with PJ as a partner, folks. Logan, you agree to this, right? There's a lot of silence on this end. Yes means no. (laughs) I just don't want to talk about football and baseball smarts again. I had the best Irish goodbye in Memphis. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers.